Hello, world. I hope you guys had a great ending to your 2018 and your 2019 is off to an amazing start. Um, I am going to come back and talk about um, how to um, make sure that you start your year strong in 2019 um, because I think that's important. I think a lot of times we make New Year's resolutions, um, we set goals, but we don't really set a plan in place to accomplish those goals. And so I'm going to come back next Tuesday um, and talk about that. As a matter of fact, I might not wait until next Tuesday to talk about that. I might come back on an unscheduled day to talk about that because I think it's really important that we get ourselves in the right frame of mind to have a really strong 2019. Um, I had an amazing 2018. I published my first book, paperback. I published my first um, ebook. I wrote an ebook that I give away free on my website if you subscribe to my mailing list. I created my first website. Um, I started my first um, online coaching program. So I had a really dynamic 2018. And I think it's important that you write down your goals. And I think it's important that you. Um, go ahead and take a look at them monthly or quarterly or whatever it is that you need to do in order to keep yourself focused on what it is that you have planned for that year, for that month, for that week. Um, So I'm going to come back and do a broadcast about that because I think it's really important. I know it helps a lot of the people that I work with to kind of stay in the mind frame of attacking your goals. So I'm going to go ahead and start for today. I'm Precious S. Carter. I am the author of the book, Broken Beginnings, Beautifully Graced. If you want to know more about me, please visit my website, which is www.preciousscarter.com or renewedandempowered.org. I also have beautifullygraced.com. While you're on my website, please sign up for my email list. That way you will be the first to be informed about some of my upcoming events. Um, You'll be the first to know about when I discount the pricing on my books or my classes. And you'll know like all kinds of great things about me, even how to uh, send me a prayer request or to sign up to work with me as your coach. So lately in the media, um, we have heard a lot about abuses of power. Today, I want to speak specifically to um, sexual abuse of children. Many of you took some time last week, I think it was Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or maybe it was Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and you watched that documentary on um, R. Kelly. I think it was called, called Surviving R. Kelly. I didn't watch a single minute of it because I can't tolerate it. Um, And I did not need a documentary to tell me that R. Kelly was perverted. I did not need a documentary to tell me that he was a rapist and that he had set up a system to abuse people who, um, by using his influence and power. Um, I think that his songs portray very vividly and graphically the type of person that he is. I'm not sure how people can even listen to his music 
knowing that he um, is writing those mu- that music uh, with his sexual appetite in mind. I'm turned off by him. If I've listened to anything, um, I've listened to like his step music. Like my, my husband and I like to dance to Step in the Name of Love, but that's it. I literally feel icky when someone is listening to R. Kelly around me. He carries a very, very heavy spirit of perversion and it translates through his music. So I didn't need to watch that documentary. I already knew that he was a pervert. I knew it and I spoke about it very openly um, and some of my friends did not agree with me and some of those conversations are just conversations that I have agreed not to have with those who are my close friends and family because it really turns me off and I don't want to have that type of um, attitude about my friends and family obviously. You are not going to agree with everyone about everything and because I, I, I so strongly feel that way that's just a conversation that I could not have with um, people who are lackadaisical with their attitude about it. So I want to comment on some of the, the responses that I saw to these young women and these young men speaking out about their abuse um, from R. Kelly. Um, one of the things that I heard people say was, why are you just now saying something? And I really think that's silly. A lot of times um, we've heard about his history of uh, abuse of women. Um, we've heard that um, he's had sex with people just to get them into the industry, but we really didn't pay it much attention. So I think it's a very silly question to ask, why didn't you say anything? They did say something. You guys just didn't care. You guys called them fast. You guys did what our parents and what our grandparents did. Many of you know, if you've read my book, um, that I am a victim of sexual abuse. And I want to talk about that question because I have an answer to it. And um, I think that we just need to get into the content. So I was um, a victim of sexual abuse by family members as well as by a friend. In my specific case, I did tell. Um, I remember I told my caregiver at the time, um, you know, I didn't grow up with my mother and father. I lived with my grandmother, and when she died, I went to live with my aunt and her husband. And I did tell about some of the sexual abuse that I was experiencing. And what I was told at that time was cousin's experiment. That was the answer that I got. Another thing that I was told later on in life, um, when it got to be more severe, was your fast tail probably wanted it. Um, And then I can remember even later, um, I learned how to fight, so no one had successfully raped me up until that point. And so um, I can remember even later, um, because I had stayed out late, and I remember being called a hoe even when I was a virgin. So I want to start by saying a lot of times people don't tell because there is shame associated with being a victim of sexual abuse. A lot of times when we tell, people don't believe us or they are simply ill-equipped and they don't know how to handle it. 
they don't think it's a big deal because nine times out of ten they were abused at a young age and so it's become kind of normalized in their mind and that is one reason that people don't tell another reason that people don't tell is because they are afraid that they won't be believed so in my case I told every time um, because I'm a person that believes in speaking I've always been a person that believed in speaking but say for example someone would have told and they were not believed they would be discouraged to tell again um, so that's number one they would be discouraged to tell again they did not want to be called a liar and so they didn't say it um, and then here's something that did happen to me when I told on a public level when I wrote my book um, and the purpose of me writing my book just to be clear was because I wanted people who had been victims of abuse whether sexual emotional or physical abuse I wanted them to have a voice and I wanted them to know that their life is not over um, but when I published my book after having already talked to my family and letting them know that I was writing it and why um, they actually did not have a problem when I told them, but I don't think they believe me. Because there are a lot of times when people say, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that, and they don't do it. That was not the case for me. I said I was going to write my book. Three months later, my book was on the market. Um, so I was accused of being selfish. I was, I was accused of being unconcerned about the effects that it would have on my family and my family's name and reputation and what it would have on the reputation of the abusers. I want to repeat that because I'm not sure if you got it. Because I told my truth, I was then the person to blame and I was told that I was being selfish and that I was unconcerned about the effects that the truth would have on my family's reputation and on the reputation of my abusers. That is crazy. Like that in and of itself speaks to the mindset of uh, people who are still um, dealing with a slave mentality. I think that it's very, it says a lot that people are more concerned about a reputation than the life of a young woman or man who's dealt with abuse who has internal struggles and who is daily tormented by those demons and now I have to worry about keeping my mouth shut and not having an outlet in which to get help from my pain because I have to be concerned about a family reputation. Another thing that happened to me is that I was shunned in my family. I was talked about. There was actually, uh, my family has a prayer line and I was the topic of that for many, many weeks. And this is because I shared my truth, okay? This is because I opened up the door for the conversation to be had. Um, this is because for the first time, we have to talk about something that has been known, well known in my family for many years, even many years before it happened to me. I'm going to get into that further in just a little bit. So aside from being called a liar and then the, the risk of being um, shamed, um, there is also the, um, how do you say this? There is also the, the ridicule. So 
then you are put under a microscope and you are called unforgiving. You are called, um, unforgiving is the best word, I guess. I remember that there being a time when someone said to me, well, you should forgive the perpetrator. And I'm like, at this point in my life, I have forgiven all of the perpetrators. However, I have established very strict boundaries and guidelines on when some of those people um, who are still living, because a lot of them did not have a long life, some of those people who are living are not allowed in a certain space in my life. For example, um, I have someone who is still alive that was an abuser who, when I have family gatherings, they are allowed in my home. They can come, but they are not allowed any time with me personally by myself, nor with my children or anyone else's children by themselves. Like, it's just not permitted because um, that person is in an unrepentant and undelivered state. And so I will not be a proponent of someone continuing in that um, abuse. I want to be one of the people to break that cycle in my family bloodline. So I have established boundaries. And because I have forgiven you, it does not mean that I have to now trust you to have the same uh, freedoms that you once had in my life and definitely not in the lives of my children or any children who are in my home and therefore considered under my care, custody, and control at that moment. I want to talk to those women and men who have not spoken up about their abuse. I want to talk about the importance of using your voice and the importance of, of letting your problem be known. Um, and I want to talk about the problems with staying silent. So one of the biggest problems with saying, staying silent is that if you don't speak, you are not necessarily promoting the perpetrator to continue in their line of abuse, but you are doing nothing to stop the abuse from happening to someone else. Um, once my book was shared, and um, there have been so many people that read it inside and outside of my family, um, there was a time when I was getting inbox after inbox after inbox. But, and, and, you know, a lot of those inboxes was thank you for sharing your story. Um, it opened up the door for me to have this conversation with my family. Or thank you. I had no idea you had gone through that. I, I thank God that you shared your story. I went through something similar. But the ones that meant the most to me were those that came from my family. And, you know, I have a one of the people in my family who knew that one of the people who tried to rape me as a kid, um, they knew that this perpetrator would try because he had done it to her. And she subjected herself to it for so long because she said, I know that if I left, he would have done it to my little sisters. She also said that um, someone knew about her abuse and they just didn't say anything. The reason that they didn't say anything is because, number one, we just, in our community, in our family, as, as, as black Americans, we don't trust people. So we did not have um, an outlet to tell. But number two, 
there is a strong spirit of poverty. Um, there was a strong spirit of poverty in our family, and the person who witnessed it and who knew about it felt powerless to say and do something about it because they really were in a position that they needed the support of this individual. So the problem with silence is that you allow the perpetrator to continue to not only hurt you, but to hurt others. Another problem with silence is that children are very aware of their surroundings. They're very aware when there's something going on wrong that shouldn't be, even though they might not be able to put their finger on it. And if we put our children in situations like this over a long period of time, the thing that they once knew was wrong and what they once knew was abnormal becomes normalized in their mind. And so we raise children who are uh, used to abuse, who become used to neglect, who become used to inappropriate boundaries and relationships. They in turn go out and have relationships with other people with what is now normalized behavior in their mind. And so then they perpetuate it. They may not become abusers or they may not become victims of sexual abuse, but they do allow people, so they're either going to become a person who abuses with their mouth, who controls and manipulates, or they're going to allow other people to abuse with their mouth and who control and manipulate, do that to them. And that's not something that we want for our children. So those are some of the problems with silence. I want to take a moment just to talk about what victims should do. Number one, I think that you need to talk about it. I think that you need to talk about it to people who you can trust with the information. I know that therapy is a taboo word in the African-American community, and I want to just take the last few minutes that I'm going to be on to talk about why therapy has been taboo for so many years. And I want us to think back to when therapy became a taboo subject in the um, home of African-American people. One reason that therapy is taboo is because when these things first started happening in our families, um, our families, for the most part, came from a history of slavery or sharecropping, depending on the age of, you know, your your grandparents or your great-grandparents. In that time, there were not many professional um, black Americans who you could confide in. A lot of times our abuse was perpetrated by the people who owned us. Um, That is where that seed was actually planted, Um, the people who had abuse of power to us. And so who were we going to tell? Were we going to tell our husbands who were powerless because they were slaves too? Or were we going to go tell another person who was in a position of power over us who was either going to tell our abuser and we were going to get severely beat or who was just going to tell you you have to deal with it, learn to enjoy it. I mean, I've heard so many horror stories from people um, who had abuse happen to them when they, are, when they were younger and they came up in this time. So I want to say that that's one reason that um, counseling has been taboo. I think that it's something that it was taboo back then and we kind of adopted it even though it doesn't really still apply to us. Another reason that um, counseling is taboo is because of shame. So once we came out of positions of slavery, um, physical slavery, 
um, and we had a little bit of money and we did not have to be dependent on our abusers, then we became a very proud people and we our reputation was very important and so we did not want to have any shame on our home. We felt pressured to keep up this facade that we were perfect or that we were better than someone else. And in the meantime, our family was deteriorating. Because of the abuse and the neglect that went on, our family was deteriorating. Because our men had been demasculated, they then used their position of power, because men are usually stronger than women, they used their position of power to perpetrate the things that they had had happen to them or that they had seen happen to women of color. And so um, while we are trying to keep up the facade and not talking about it and not crying out for help, that cycle of abuse continued to be perpetuated. And another reason, and this is the final reason that I'm going to discuss, um, the reason that we don't go to counseling is because we think that we can pray everything away. If you know me at all, you know I am a proponent. I think that prayer is one of the most powerful tools that we have in our arsenal. But I also know that you have to renew your mind. You have to learn to think and behave differently. And you cannot do that by prayer alone because you don't have the information needed in order to make different choices, in order to think differently, and in order to act differently. The Word of God says that you need to take captive every vain thought or imagination that tries to exalt itself above the wisdom and knowledge of God. But how do you do that if you don't have any record of that, if you have never been taught what the Word of God says about you concerning you? So those are things that I want you to keep in mind um, before you start to ask the question of why are you just now saying something or why didn't you tell? Those are some of the reasons. People who have been abused, I want you to carefully consider going to a therapist, going to a counselor, going to a life coach, someone that can help you. I want to suggest that you find a support group that you learn to that you learn to speak out that you don't have any shame about something that happened to you. I want you to come out of that victim mentality. I want you to know that you're not a victim. You don't have to feel like um, like this is something that you always have to deal with. This is something that you have to deal with, get over, become empowered about, and go out and help somebody else, okay? So again, I want to thank you guys for staying with me this afternoon or whenever you listen to this podcast. I thank you so much for your support. If you want to know more about me, go to my website, PreciousSCarter.com. You can also send me a prayer request there just by sending me a message. You can schedule a consultation with me there as well. While you're there, please sign up for my mailing list. And that's all I have for today. Again, I am going to come back sometime this week, and I'm going to talk about um, just setting yourself up to have a strong and successful year. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate you, and I love you all. Be blessed.